0: Alright, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin This is my podcast. WTF. Welcome to it. Thanks for coming. I don't know if you're new here or what. Doesn't matter. Everyone is welcome. You know, I in that pre show plug there for my uh, gala or gala gala in Montreal. I got to be honest with you. I spent years and years. Wondering if I would ever host a gala in Montreal. I have been on so many galas in Montreal, between Montreal and some of the other franchise outposts of that festival. I've been on so much Canadian television doing comedy. At least five, four or five galas as just a comic And I got to be honest with you, I've never seen a clip from one. I've never heard anyone react to one. No one has ever tweeted about them. I don't even know if they exist. Do you tape Canadian television? Then it just gets lost into the black hole of Canadian late night TV. I don't know if they're even shown. So my expectations about feedback or about it getting out in the world are low. But I got to be honest with you, I was always jealous, man. I was always like, why can't I do one? Why can't I do one? Because I don't think I could have sold tickets. I don't even know if I'll sell tickets now. These Usually these halls are huge, but I'm going to be doing it. I'll be hosting it and bringing up comedians. Finally, my time has come. They booked this two years ago, three years ago, whenever, and then COVID happened, but they, uh, they kept the date. They kept the promise, so I'm going to be doing a gala at the Montreal Comedy Festival, and... I don't know. It's one. It's not a bucket list thing, but I certainly thought I deserved it when I didn't. So in that way, you know, I I no longer gave a shit after a certain point. But uh, when it when it came around, I'm like, yeah, great. I'm ready for that job. Nothing like deserving it when you didn't thinking like you deserved it when you don't. How do you not think that? You know what I mean? If you're going to get through life with any sort of confidence, you've got to think that you deserve it, even if you don't. And even even if people tell you, you don't. And even maybe later you think back on you like, I, I couldn't have done that job. I didn't deserve that. No fucking way. Did not have the gravitas to do that thing I thought I should have been able to do when I wanted to do it. But I guess that kind of entitlement, that kind of, uh, I don't know if it's arrogance, but that sort of stubborn insistence that you be reckoned with professionally because you want to and you're ready is some is some part of confidence. I obviously it's also a part of insecurity, and obviously a part of uh, not knowing yourself very well. Uh, but I think all of those uh, the self-centeredness, all that stuff, I guess, is necessary on some level. And persistence to succeed. You could you could also blow yourself out pretty early, get prematurely bitter. I worked. I tried that prematurely. Uh, bitter. I, tr- I tried that angle for a while. It didn't quite stick. Listen, folks, listen to me today on the show. I have a uh, comedian, Sam Jay. All right. Now, Sam Jay was a longtime writer for Saturday Night Live. She's on the uh, the new Peacock series Bust Down, and she has her own late night show pause with Sam Jay on HBO. I would see her at the comedy store when she was in town. And I swear to God the the woman did not talk to me. Uh, I didn't know if she didn't like me. We'd be in the green room together. Just the two of us could not, just did not engage. Hi, how are you? Hi. But that was it. No conversation. And when she showed up here, I thought, well, this is going to be awkward because there's no way this person likes me. And she was a completely different person. We discussed it. That aside, I would like to say that um, this may be a fairly awkward uh, white guy feeling interview. For some of you. I, I don't know why I'm telling you that, but it was just it was one of those things where I'm like, I watched her show pause with Sam Jay. And it's really just the. it opens. I've watched three or four of them and they just open in her uh, an apartment where it's like almost like this cocktail party salon type of thing with a bunch of primarily uh, black people talking about black stuff. And it was one of those moments where I'm like, holy shit. I am really an old white guy because I I didn't know any of this stuff. I didn't know this conversation. And because a lot of it's young people conversation, but a lot of it is issues that African-Americans face. And I just didn't I, I didn't know it because I'm, I'm not in the loop. I don't know if I could be in the loop unless I was uh, young and black. But there was sort of an excitement that I had watching the show, that I definitely brought into the interview, but I, I was not nervous, but I was trying to be forthright about my ignorance, and I didn't want to talk too much because God knows, uh, you know, white guys have talked enough. I was excited and white, all right. That uh, excited, nervous, and white, and maybe overcompensating. That's how I feel about it, but maybe maybe. We'll see. We'll see how you feel about it, but uh, I definitely enjoyed talking to Sam J. Holy fuck! I was in a hotel room in Laconia, New Hampshire, and I decided to check in with the world via my uh, TV in my room. And I was just flipping around, and I was on HBO Two, maybe one of the HBOs, and I was just in the I I, I clicked into the middle of a episode of Euphoria. And I didn't know what the fuck I was watching. I kind of heard about it, but I didn't know. I I didn't read any press on it. I don't know. I'm getting further out of the loop. But Jesus, man, I watched four episodes of Euphoria in a row from the second season, having seen none of them. And I was like, have I never watched television before? Or, Or no, or better yet, is this what television is now? When did this happen? When did this become television? What the fuck am I watching? Holy shit. Did I feel like an old guy? Yeah. But within minutes, I felt like a dirty old guy. I was like, am am I supposed to even be watching this? Is this what the kids are doing? Where the fuck? What is happening? It was like that, man. Is it like that? It was like that. Did I stop watching? No, I was like completely engaged. I I just could not believe what I was watching. Drugs and sex. It was sweaty. That whole show is sweaty. Sweaty. But I really thought I would missed a decade or two. And then I realized, like, this is the kind of show that you, that, that the, this is why they hate us. If there's a reason why Hollywood is threatening, it's that show. They're like, look at what they're doing. Oh, my God. I'll tell you, uh, I went back. I just started watching it from the beginning because I figured I, got, I can only handle one episode. A day it's so shattering and raw and fucking weird. And like, is that what high school is like now? And also like if there's a balance being sought for, for, you know, decades, I guess since probably the sixties or seventies of, of boobs, of TNA tits and ass and mercant vaginas on screen. Well, this show is balancing out the, the, the cock factor. There's just a, like an avalanche of dick in, uh, in Euphoria. So I, I think there's an effort being made on behalf of Hollywood to, to balance the, the dick quota with about three or four decades of boobs and vaginas and asses. So now uh, just full-on dick. Full frontal dick, a lot of it. Apparently some of it is fake, but I mean, who cares? Doesn't really matter, does it? Dick's a dick, right? A lot of dick. Anyway, my mind was kind of blown by youth culture and by black youth culture in the last month. You know, before talking to Sam J from watching Pause, I learned some things and I felt like an old white guy. And uh, from watching Euphoria, uh, I learned some things and felt like a, just an old guy and a slightly dirty old guy. Is that, the, is that what the show's trying to do? To make us all feel a little dirty of a certain age? What are people doing with that show? How are people handling it? I got to go do some research. Anyway, look, I'm no I'm no prude, but wow, what is happening? What's going on in this world? So, the first season of Bust Down, this is Sam's new show. Again, this is a show that seems funny. I'm not sure I understand it. <laughs> and it's not a black thing. It's just a, a an old guy thing, I think. I just, Well, look, it takes me a minute sometimes with comedy certainly with sketch or with absurd comedy to figure out what the fuck is going on. But I get it. I usually get around to it. It hits me all at once. But the uh, the first season of Bust Down is now streaming on Peacock. Season two of Pause with Sam J is coming to HBO in May. You can stream all of season one on HBO Max. That's where euphoria is, too. I'm just saying. Be careful, though. It, you know, it's going to turn your brain out, man. Anyway, I don't want to distract from this intro. But I will say this, euphoria will turn your brain out. I mean, I don't think I'm ever gonna be the same again. So this is me talking to uh, Sam J. Nice to see you. It's
1: nice to see you too, man.
0: You look, is, all, you look dressed up.
1: I'm, really? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I, everything matches.
1: I just, you know, tried to just throw something more real quick. Uh, oh really? Something I didn't have to think about. Yeah. <laughs> are
0: you, so you, how long are you in town for?
1: I'm here till Wednesday. And
0: you're just doing press for uh the new thing?
1: Yeah, well there's a we're having a premiere party tonight for Bust Down. Yeah. So that's why I came in town and then I've been wanting to do this so we made
0: sure this could happen while I was here. Oh, I'm glad it happened. Yeah. I started to, I started to think like, does she even like me? Is it- <laughs> Like, I, t- I see at the comedy store, I couldn't get a read on anything. I'm like, I don't even know <laughs> if she wants to talk to me at all.
1: Yeah, everyone kind of uh, picks up that vibe for me. I'm really? ha- I'm hard to read, I guess. Really? Yeah, I didn't, you know, it's one of those things where you hear it enough that you're like, it must be true, but you don't think that's what you're giving off.
0: Well, I mean, that must be just the zone you're in when you're out there doing that. Because I, you know, I watched uh, uh, several episodes of Pause, and I'm like, I never met that lady. <laughs> <laughs> how, how how can I never talk to that? Everybody lady?
1: says that you're not the first person to say that. Really? Yeah.
0: What do you think it is?
1: I don't know. I mean,
0: like because it's I only see you right before you're going on stage.
1: Yeah, I think it's that. And then it's like with pause, I'm really with my friends. Are they and all your real friends? They're all like my real friends, at least this last season. I think it's going to be a little bit more mixed up this season. Really, but last season they were all comics I was really cool with and yeah. people like I actually knew.
0: It's so funny because I had some observations about you know because obviously after watching it and after my own sort of uh, uh, insecurity, I assume that uh, you know I'm just not relevant to that conversation, <laughs> and I and I probably I'm probably not. You know, I'm I'm just uh, you know another sort of you know. Uh, cis, middle-aged white guy trying to be relatively decent <laughs> in, in the modern culture. So there's part of me that's always like, well, they, there's no reason for any of them to talk to me. And I, not by them, I mean you or black people, but just... <laughs> just young people <laughs> i get what
1: you say you know what i mean yeah for real it's a I whole generation
0: it. of people i don't know what the hell's going on with you guys
1: yeah i mean i feel you because i i look at my little cousins and i feel the same way i'm like i don't i don't really? know
0: what, yeah how, what, what do you mean little
1: like you know early 20s you know oh, really to mid 20s i'm like I don't there's know. there's
0: already a big i don't know you, you don't. know what i mean no you idea don't.
1: i like i can are listen are you concerned to it, not really. I feel like every generation figures it out for themselves. I, I guess,
0: but like now, it just there, there just seems to be so much. Uh, so it's almost become tribalized. Like you know, uh, yeah. Generationally, we all kind of figure it out, but culturally, it seems like things are like in some sort of fucked up uh, shift. He, there's a fight on.
1: There is. There's a little bit of a. There's a little bit of a yeah. digging of the hills and the sand. Yeah, only right. Happening. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But when I see you and your friends, it's just so funny how. There is a New York thing with certain people.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an East Coast thing. I think in Boston we got a little bit of that as well, amongst the people of color, and then the whites in Boston, that's a whole nother bag of worms. I don't. Amongst the black people. Wait, you you
0: came up in Boston? I'm from Boston. You're from Boston? Yeah. Wow, where'd you grow up? Dorchester. Whoa, really? Yeah. Man, I spent a lot of time there. Yeah, I know. I came up there, I was was having flashbacks just when I went on that road Mm -hmm. gig driving to new hampshire i'm like yep. fuck you like that feeling of driving to a gig right i don't even know what this is <laughs> what am i walking into i yeah. don't know if you did that kind of stuff no
1: for sure i remember my first gigs like in new hampshire like right i was really desperate to do comedy so like, who was booking it uh, oh, this dude named Nick LaValle was booking everything. Uh-huh. He had like the Shaft and he had like another room. And yeah. I was desperate to just do stand up. Right. Boston's very white. So there also wasn't a lot of black people. Weird white. Doing stand up. Yeah. So, it's a
0: unique white up there.
1: Yeah. So I ended up cool with a lot of like white boys, but not really cool. We were just like cool by necessity of us all trying to do a thing. Yeah. And I'm in my first trip to New Hampshire. I'm riding in a car with this white boy I barely know. Yeah. And it's just getting darker and woodsier. Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like this
0: is crazy. I used to feel that by myself it <laughs> had nothing to do with color. It was just, <laughs> it was just me panicking. Like, what wh- is this even a real place this gig? And then you don't
1: know what you're going to get. You're going to get a room for like New
0: Hampshire people. Nothing. You and know then nothing. I'm going to
1: get up there and do my thing and Right. it's like how is that all going to go?
0: But, yeah, well that's how I learned. That's how it, it, but it, I did feel that panic when I was driving from Troy, New York to uh to Laconia, New Hampshire. I even I went into a spiral where I text my agent. I'm like, "How the fuck did you even find this gig? <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? I'm not. I'm. I'm beyond this." But then I got there, and were, It was, it a, was nice, fun, we're right? at a Nice little theater. They were there to see me. That's the difference. And they were. It wasn't just some random comedy yeah. night at some dump. So you were born in Boston.
1: I was born in Georgia, but I moved to Boston before I was even a year old. I don't remember even living in Georgia.
0: So your family moved there.
1: My mom sent me up. It was a little bit of a crazy story. My dad yeah. had passed away like maybe a month or two months after I was born. My really? dad had a heart attack. And then my mom ended up getting into this custody battle with his mom because she was trying to get custody of me to like...
0: Your grandmother. Yeah,
1: but I never met this woman my whole life. But she was trying to get custody of me to like get the money my dad had left me. And uh, So it
0: wasn't because she cared. No,
1: nah, and her right. and my dad never had like a real relationship. So wow. my mom, out of fear of like the way Georgia's kind of backwards, yeah. she sent me to Boston while she fought the case. And I lived with my grandmother and my aunt her, while I was her a, parents Yeah, while sister. I was a baby. Uh-huh. And then once the stuff was all over, her and my brothers came up to
0: Boston. How many brothers? Two. Oh, and you, and it was in Dorchester. Yeah. At that time, so that, like, what part of Dorchester? Like, towards uh, Columbia Point?
1: Nah, mm-hmm. like,
0: towards Is that Mattapan. Mattapan, yeah. right. Like,
1: towards Mattapan, Blue Halive, yeah. Franklin Park. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah, area. yeah, yeah.
0: I went to school in, in Milton for a year, so yeah, yeah, it was yeah. right on Mattapan. Yep. But like I've never been to a, a honestly a more segregated city in my life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Have you? No. It's been it's weird and like I was just home cuz we're shooting a episode of Pause. Yeah. in Boston this season. Really? And it was a little uh embarrassing. Not to, I'm not going to lie because I'm so used to it, but watching other people navigate it and be like, "How do you?" Then it was like, "Damn, yeah, this is kind of fucked up." But I'm so used to it. Right. Right. It's like you don't clock it till you're
0: with a bunch of people who aren't and what were their, what was their reaction to they what just
1: You know, like the teamsters that were driving the car were pretty racist and they were, you know, we're doing stuff in the neighborhoods I grew up in and Uh they were saying stuff like, oh, you might want to duck and are you sure you want to shoot here and you don't know what's going to happen when the cameras come out, they might try to steal them. Just crazy stuff that's Uh not like real. And then they just noticed how separated it was and just how the white people in Boston are. And it's like, this is all stuff I can shrug off and just move through because I grew up like that. But to watch other people navigate it was a little bit like, damn, this sucks.
0: Yeah. I Well, I mean, when I was there, it was, I mean, I got used to it because I had to sort of roll with it because all the comics were kind of like Irish white dudes mm-hmm. and you got to, but I had this real paranoia of Irish dudes for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Because like I was just this aggravated, neurotic, angry Jewish guy running to these one-nighters and I definitely wasn't the same as them. Mm-hmm. And you feel that difference even if it's that. And I just, I was always a little nervous, but- I grew to to like a lot of the comics and learn a lot from them, but I did realize as time went on that this like that city really hides its black people.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's and,
0: what I've always said about
1: Boston. We live in we live in a certain corner of this city, and if you don't know where we are, you'll never find us. And it's like crazy, it's really wild. Like I used to work, and you know, black people usually work downtown, and then we go to our homes, you know, Dorchester, Mattapan, yeah. Roxbury, or whatever. Yeah. And I remember one time I was working. I worked at the uh, aquarium at the time. And this black family, they were from Detroit. They walked yeah. up to me and they were like, yo, can we ask you a question? I was like, you want to know where the black people are, huh? And they were like, yes. And I was like, all right, <laughs> this is what you got to do. You got to go here, here, here's here, the map. Here. Here's, here's how you find us. They were like, because this is crazy. I was like, yeah, you know, but I don't even, it's another one of those moments where it's like, I don't think about it because I'm so used to it. But to people coming in, it probably
0: looks nuts. But I guess oddly, you, you know, that's the way it was, you know, always. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it wasn't different until years, it, but but Boston never really changed. I never like even New York. I mean, you have black neighborhoods, but that city feels integrated.
1: Yeah, to me. nah, Boston doesn't feel like that. No, no man, I always say it's Atlanta for white people. I've heard other people say it too, but
0: Atlanta for white yeah, people. Yeah,
1: I've been saying it for a long time. It's Atlanta for white people. Well, there's this sure. idea
0: that it's some sort of progressive place, but it's that's only relative to the transient population of like three hundred thousand students. And colleges each year. I mean, in and of itself, it's it's pretty provincial and pretty New England.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe that New England is like the last white haven. You know what I mean? It's just like if you just want to be white and just only see that's where you go you know what I mean I used to do this joke (laughs) or go to Ireland a long time ago, I used to do this joke in New Hampshire like you know it's white when the white people are pumping the gas you know what I mean (laughs) Yeah. they don't even got black people working in the kitchen it's like this is white through
0: and through well it's beat up man I mean you drive through that state and it was like wow I mean a lot of you know dead barns
1: it's not a lot going on, yeah. No,
0: and you just feel the, the, the weight of it. The mm-hmm. weight of the the depression of it.
1: That was like one of the first times, like I got a homie from New Hampshire his name's Justin and and like that's the like thing like I'm always I always talk about like like white people be poor, bro. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like just as much as like Boston hides its black people, I feel like white people in general hide their poor. Like well, that's big, well.
0: That's why no, no one talks about class in this country. Yeah, it's because you know poor white people think they're just about to be rich.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> white people be poor because I remember going to New Hampshire, bro. Yeah. And they was heating a house off of like a wood stove. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, I was like, yeah. yo, yeah, no, that's is, true. This is wild up here.
0: So when did you start doing comedy? Did you go to school in Boston? How? What was the whole trip over there? What?
1: Man, I I graduated high school of course, and then I I went. I stayed there in Mattapan. Uh no, Roxbury, Roxbury, New Mission High School in Roxbury, yeah. and I stayed in Boston for like two years, and then um I went away to Georgia to go to school. Uh, I tried comedy in those two years. I tried it like twice. Uh, in Atlanta. In Boston, oh, right before oh. I left, I tried it like two times. I Where went at that, um, uh Dick Doherty's room. Dick, Do-
0: and, Dick Doherty. You're yeah. funny. You're insecure. <laughs> That's what he said to me. You're insecure.
1: <laughs> it was eh. And then I went to Atlanta and my mom had passed when I, I when I was in high school sixteen and stuff. So then I went to Atlanta. Oh, I kinda wow, spiraled really? out. I was like drinking too much and partying too much and not really going to school and I wasn't really doing much of anything, working
0: a bunch of odd jobs. Now what was but what was it shit. like? Were you out and having fun?
1: I came out in Atlanta about twenty four. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then That's I was we'll do it. I was on having fun.
0: Well, yeah, because Atlanta is a, like a good, pretty good gay town. Black and gay. Yeah, which is yeah. nice. Because I used to when I used to stay there. There's that huge that gay club right there in downtown. That's all. It seemed like it was all black and all fun, like big lines outside. All of it. black and
1: all fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just,
0: I mean, I just see the lines going in. Downtown was,
1: like, was it Bulldogs?
0: It was maybe. It was right around the corner for it was laughing on skull. One of the, it was kind of by laughing skull. The right? Bulldogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on that street. One of the peach trees. Yeah, Bulldogs. Probably. Yeah, yeah. But every time I looked, I was sort of like, wow, that's where it's happening. <laughs> <I don't
1: know. laughs> Is that a big? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had a lot of fun in Atlanta. So, all right. So you tried it in Boston at the Vault. Was it? A, Dick Daugherty's comedy vault? Yep, yep. And then you went down to Atlanta and you got all fucked up? Got all fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of jobs were you doing?
1: Every dumb thing. I worked at a Starbucks, bro. I worked for the state doing taxes. At one point I was like working for the census. It was just like whatever I could do, you know, just flipping jobs, hated everything I was doing.
0: And were you getting, uh, because your your mom passed and you, you didn't know what you were doing, so you're just rudderless. And doing Mm -hmm. like, did you, how fucked up did you get? Was it like trouble fucked up?
1: It was bad for, I think outside looking in, it was just like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen with this girl. Like she's not really making anything of her life. But for me, it was dark because I, I I knew how I was feeling and I was feeling real lost. You know what I mean? I knew internally what was happening with me. So yeah. it was real dark for me on my side of so it.
0: So you didn't know if you're gonna get out or not. I
1: didn't see a way out. It was it was uh, like ah uh, yeah, I couldn't. You know what I mean? I just yeah, I couldn't see the, a way through it at all. A mixture
0: of depression and and just using shit.
1: Depression and and you know drinking too much yeah. and feeling like I'm not living with any purpose and, and knowing that there is some purpose out there, but it's like I can't touch it or see it. Right, it right, just yeah. it just seems like I'll never get to it. So then yeah. it's like that hopelessness yeah, yeah. on top of that. It's yeah. just like, I guess it's is going to be my life. Just like doing uh, things I hate for damn near no money to barely survive, to go yeah, back yeah. and do something I hate like yeah. Really not seeing a way out of that and kind of giving up. Like, well, if this is it, then I might as well just get drunk and like, Oh, man. find the fun where i can because yeah, like yeah. this fucking sucks you it's know? the worst
0: because it's like it's just this when i started the podcast i was pretty down and i didn't know what i was going to do or how it was going to unfold and i thought like i couldn't sell tickets i was in my 40s and i was like fuck I'm gonna be one of those guys yeah doing those gigs yep and uh it's it's horrible because like either you surrender to the disappointment and to the managing that or you're like i'm fucking out Yeah, I'm gonna kill myself. Scary,
1: bro. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I'm saying. People don't get it. It's like, it's like, what's the point of living? It's a low. It's a suicidal low, and it's like, you know, I wasn't. You know, I never attempted suicide, but I definitely was feeling like, yeah, if I die, I don't even care,
0: bro. Like, I just. I used to... It felt pointless. Right. I used to do a joke about that. It's like I think about suicide all the time. It's not because I want to kill myself. I just find it relieving to know that I can <laughs> if I have to. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. If it gets, if it comes down to it, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to do it. It's you like, know?
0: When you're finding peace in that, you know... You, yeah,
1: you're in a bad spot.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So what shifted? What changed? How, what Was there a, a, a white light moment? Was there like, oh my God.
1: I think it was like several fucking moments. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. was just like... Seeing how my life was just going, you yeah. know, and not and just being like I can't give up. I always, you know, God bless my mother. I think a lot of her lessons and things that she gave me when it was at its darkest hour, I was mm. able to pull on them. Like what to find myself, just to like honestly, just to believe in myself. And my mother's always tell me like, "There's no shortcuts to life," you know, like yeah. like you you can't skip a step and like. Yeah. It's whatever it is, you're going to pull it from yourself. So if you don't achieve something, it's because of you. She never let me like lean on race or anything. And I'm not I'm not knocking When I'm just saying like, that's not how I was raised. It was just yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's going to be harder for you or things were getting your way. But at the end of the day, you determine your life. And if you don't pull yourself up and do the shit, then it ain't going to get done. Right. And you can only look at yourself to blame. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Yeah. I was like just digging into those lessons and kind of seeing some shit come full circle. I ended up sleeping on the couch of a homie and they had a roommate that I never saw. But then the day I finally saw him, it was a dude who used to sleep on my couch. And so it's like, all right, we're having some some full circle moments that are really kind of fucked up right now.
0: The sad full circle. (laughs) Yeah. Like this isn't good. Yeah. 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 And
1: just kind of these things that kind of pushed me in a dude put a gun to my head. And, oh, that a, and
0: that sounds a transitional moment. And what? I was
1: just kind of like if that and I really thought I was going to die, you know, and I remember just feeling like, bro, this can't be the, this can't be the Mario Johnson about? story. What was uh, just a kid sticking up my brother and I used to always play cards in his garage. And yeah. I think he thought it was a gambling house. Yeah. And he just came in to like rob it. Yeah. Grab me and put a gun in my head. And, um, he eventually just got scared and ran off, but I just remember being like that this is this can't be the tale, no <laughs> this can't be how it all goes down, yeah, so it was like little things, little things, little yeah. things that kind of yeah. just like got me up off my ass,
0: and you decided to go back to Boston, go back to Boston you did, you weren't doing any comedy down there, no in Atlanta. no no,
1: no, no no, I tried it uh the year like that I have to do put a good arm, like that January right yeah. around like that new year. I was like I'm I'm going to try this. And I was turning 28 and I was like, yeah, I'm going to try it. I I tried it in Atlanta and I was like, okay. Where?
0: Punchline or um, laughing skull? Starbar. Huh, I don't know.
1: That That was like right across the street from laughing skull. It was this oh, little okay. open mic. Like, they do it oh, on like okay. Mondays or
0: something. Yeah.
1: And I was like, okay, I think this is it. But I was like, I can't do it in Atlanta. Cause I did a lot of shit in Atlanta and I was doing music shit. And I just felt like people weren't going to let me redefine myself. Yeah. And be something else. And I just, I, I wanted the space to figure the out. The
0: people you were hanging around with.
1: Yeah, yeah and yeah. I wanted space to just really figure out who I was in yeah, this thing. sure and plus I just needed to go home and tap in with my family after my mother died it was estranged and crazy and what I think happened? that was a part of just people die and I think families sometimes they come together and sometimes they go to their mutual corners and yeah. my mom was kind of integral to my family the, and
0: uh, the, core, the the center of the wheel yeah and it yeah. kind of
1: just split us up in a way and we were very close to the family so it was super hard on me Yeah. and so I just felt like also I felt like I could navigate Boston comedy yeah. like I really thought about it And once I really decided I wanted to do it I was really like thinking about how I was going to execute it. And I was like, well, I know home. I know I can get on trains and buses for fairly cheap to get to play. Like in Atlanta, I got to drive everywhere. I can't even afford a car. So it's like if I really want to do this, I need to be in a city that I can get to these things. I know I can get a job. Like Boston's a pretty... You can get your shit together there kind of easily. So I knew I could get on my feet and get a job and be able to get to shows and do all that kind of stuff. And also I had my family there. So it's like... There's only so far I'm gonna fall, and I can really kind of right. throw myself into this sure. thing and really try it.
0: They're not gonna let you get lost again. Yeah, totally. yeah. So well, I were they, can Were they relieved when you came back? In a way, I think and, so.
1: I think so. Where they
0: were they like, oh, we didn't know if you were gonna?
1: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think they were glad I was back. But then, you know, at first they're just trying to force their agenda. You know, my aunt's trying to get me to drive the bus. Mom's been driving the T for like. 30 years now. So well, they was, get
0: worried, right? Yeah. They're like, you, know, you got to get a pension. Yeah, you get, get you healthcare. a hospital job yeah. or
1: get you uh, a, you know, those are like the Boston jobs. Sure or whatever, but I was like, I was really determined at that point to really try to do stand-up.
0: Well, that's interesting, because now you can be, you know, your cafeteria lady on the show, <laughs> so you're able to do one of those jobs fictional. Yeah,
1: which was like fucking hell, I'm not gonna lie. It was, it brought me back. It was a little like, at one point I had to take off that apron, and I was like, oh, this sucks. This could have been, been it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, damn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was crazy. So, all right, so when, when you start doing it there, like, I don't, there, in my life, In my generation, I can't really remember, I'm like, I'm really trying to remember any black comics from my generation. Like, I'm coming up in in Boston in the late 80s, and I really, I can't, I can't, I can't remember any. Isn't that fucked up? Mm -hmm. How many of them were there then for you and your crew? I mean, I know Patrice is from there, but who else is from there?
1: Well, you know, there's like Corey Rodriguez, and and it was my homie Tawanda. Yeah. It was Nick. Like there was, we were out there, you know. Yeah, it, it definitely was way more white dudes than, yeah. than us, and they definitely were getting like the preference for sure. Sure, yeah. Um, but there, we were there. You know yeah. what I mean? We were
0: there. It's interesting to me that there's always been, even when I started, there was a world of black comedy that we didn't know about, and it was full. Yeah. And there was just two different worlds, man. And then you'd see it on TV or you'd run and you'd be like, "Oh my god, there's all these cats." <laughs> but now even that's a little I think a little more integrated.
1: Yeah, yeah, scene. yeah, a little more. A little more. And I think it's more like uh people stopped following the rules. Like black people stopped being like, "Oh, I got to go just do the black clubs." Like, "No, I'm gonna do every club," yeah. you know?
0: Did you do black clubs?
1: Yeah. I did. There was a there was a one night a week that was a black night in Boston on Wednesdays at this bar called Slade's in Roxbury yeah. that was run yeah. by this dude named Jonathan Gates. And he was actually the first person to tell me I was a headliner. He was the first person to pay me to yeah. do stand-up. Oh, really? He was the first person to really give me time, time on stage. Yeah. I remember he got a knee surgery and he left me his room. I was broke. I had just quit my job because I went to go do Bridgetown and they wouldn't give me the time off. So when I came back, I had nothing. He let me uh, host his room. He let me uh, host his room for like Take four over. weeks. Just took his room over. And he paid me every week. Oh, that's great. It so was you, got very, point. you
0: can work out all
1: that shit, yeah, get up and down. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really cool. It was really cool. And then I did all the other rooms, the Knicks and the comedy studios and all the other stuff as well.
0: That was okay, the, the comedy studio. I did the, the
1: white rooms first. I went to Slade.
0: Jenkins room? Last, uh, yeah. Rick Jenkins. Wasn't that his, the, the comedy yep. studio in still Cambridge? Still his, still his. Yeah. yeah. And Nick's, like, Nick's is different now, but when I was there, that was, like, you know, that was rough, man. Oh, no. You got to fight it
1: out. Bro, Nick's is, like, it was, when we was doing it, man, in the winter, they would have a space heater on the stage because they they wouldn't, like, heat the... And the one downtown? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It got crazy.
0: It got bad, I guess. (laughs) That place was When I was there at the peak... In Boston, Nick's was running two or three shows in the same room, in the same building. Yeah. Because they had that nightclub downstairs and the main show up upstairs, and you could go back and forth. And yeah. there might have even been a third one. Nah. And then there was like one, in the the Kowloon, and then there mm-hmm. was, yeah. But that's still, I think that just closed, right?
1: Kowloon? No, he just was there. Oh, I just you were? took I just took the crew there to eat when we were up there scouting for pause.
0: Well, I mean, is there still a comedy yeah. show, though? No I think kidding. so. They still a big had room, man. They still had it, like, that. Did you play up? that one?
1: Never. That lady didn't like me. Oh, she nope the
0: one the <laughs> woman who booked the knicks did you, she... you ever do mike clack's room no nope. giggles you ever nope. do giggles nope. no really? i left
1: before i got like he oh. started to know who i was and then i like moved type yeah of thing.
0: yeah 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 but you did do the one-nighters uh, huh?
1: yeah 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 i mean i i was definitely there doing doing comedy so how long so. were you doing it there i was in boston maybe two three years
0: okay so you got some time together yep and you got your chops yep and then you went to new york i went to l.a Oh, you came here first. Yeah did it, did you get beat up or what happened? <laughs> <laughs> did, what, did it chew you up, spit you out
1: in L A. Yeah, no, nah. that first
0: time. No, you did all right.
1: Nah, I did all right. I came to L A. and things kind of moved fairly quickly. Oh, good. When I got
0: here, so it's not a bad L A. story.
1: No, no, no. Oh. It was like a it was like a scene of young people and like it was dope. Uh, like the energy how,
0: was dope. Well, how'd you like what what how did what was your entree into L A. Did you do? Wait, did you do Montreal were you known were people already you know
1: I was doing like I did Bridgetown that was my first like festival and at the time Bridgetown was like a big festival on, especially for West Coast because the one was, in Portland the one in Portland because all the like reps and stuff from Cali, like LA would just go up there. Oh, so
0: that was because all the other festivals got turned out. Like everybody knew who everybody was and there was no real reason to go to Montreal other than for agents to get fucked up with producers. Yeah. So Bridgetown was sort of like, we don't know any of these people. Yeah,
1: it was like, who's the new...
0: Right. The new people. So that was happening. And there's all those weird bars that you would play in. Yep. I remember doing Bridgetown and we were on a patio and the and the and it was raining and it was leaking through.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wild time. We were yeah. doing like parking lot shows yeah, and right. then like yeah. a show in front of a taco truck and yeah, then yeah. like a show inside. <laughs> and then like, yeah. but I was having a blast. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where I met my manager. And there was a lot of like Comedy Central people there. Who's Just the manager? Kara Baker at Avalon.
0: I'm at Avalon. Yeah. yeah. I know Kara.
1: I love, I love her. Yeah. She's the best um and so we did all that you know what i'm saying and then so i just made and there was a lot of like west coast comics there so i just made a lot of connections yeah that way and so like
0: who'd you meet oh jack that, knight oh you Ooh. met jack there i met
1: jack of Bridgetown. yeah yep
0: where'd yeah. he come from seattle oh wow okay
1: yeah i met jack there i met nori davis who, who lives in new york i met I want to say I met Taylor Thomason there. Yeah. I met so many people there.
0: So that's great. Tone
1: Bell. I met some Clayton English. I met so many people at Bridgetown. Dulce Sloan. And so after that, I just was like, well, it seems like LA is where I can kind of move around, yeah, you know. Yeah. And also I felt like New York was too close to Boston and yeah. I was gonna go home a lot. Yeah. And just and like lean on a crutch and yeah. I just wanted to be somewhere where I had to like figure it out.
0: But it must have been a relief to see all these different people and to see comedy thriving on all different levels, coming from all different points of view. Mm-hmm. Because like the one thing about coming up in Boston or even growing up in Boston is it's a box. Yep. And it's limited. And then to go out there and just be like, Holy shit, you know, this yeah. is all happening. Yeah. Yeah. It felt
1: like like uh Oh, here's a chance to really take a huge step that could like nice. change some shit for you.
0: That's good. So, you really had it together enough to make those decisions. That's good.
1: I was older, though. You know, yeah. I, I always occurred just I was just older. Like, yeah. at that point, I'm 29.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I,
1: yeah. I got some sense about myself, just period. You know? Yeah.
0: So, you go to LA?
1: Go to LA. I get comics to watch, uh, Comedy Central's comics to watch at New York Comedy Festival, maybe like three months into being in LA. So I go out there to do that. I do well at that. Then I get the call to do uh, Montreal, maybe. New Faces? Yep. Yeah. Maybe a few months later from that, I do New Faces. I had a really good showing at New Faces.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so I was only in LA two years. Then some people from SNL saw me there. Yeah. Uh, They asked me to audition in LA. I auditioned in LA. Then they flew me out to yeah. New York to audition yeah. in front of Lauren. I did. Then they called me and asked me if I wanted to do have a writing job. So I was like, "Oh, they must think I'm ugly and fat, but <laughs> they think I'm funny enough <laughs> to do something." So, but did you were you? I took the job. But were you a character went, person? Went no, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I just did stand up. And and at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, we at some point they were we were talking about me moving the cast, and then some other things happened or whatever. But I always felt like that was their intention, and like they were very forward of like, we just want you to learn the system and figure it out. So and-
0: okay, so tell me how that went. The 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 process. Of, of of SNL because I talk to people about that. Um, like you know, so who who calls you to offer you the writing job? Kenward, Eric Kenward. Okay, and when do you meet Lauren?
1: Uh like really, actually meet Lauren?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Man. Did you already have the job, or did you have to go meet him? to talk No, about no, that? no,
1: no. I think I think you go right. Yeah. I went. They, you still have to like sit with him. Right. You have to sit at the desk and he kind of like talks to you about your your future and your life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like. You did that.
1: (laughs) Did that thing. And
0: how was that? It was cool. Did you make you wait? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that such a thing? Of course. How many hours? How many hours?
1: Ah, man. I don't don't want to lie, because Lord, I love me some Lauren. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But it it was over two. Yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it was over two hours for sure. But you knew that going <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was
0: anyone uh, uh, sort of advising you, uh, you know, going into well, that?
1: Well, at the time I was at ICM and I had an agent named Ayala Cohen who, uh-huh. she was very, she used to work there. Yeah. so She was super familiar with the process. Right. So she was. She kind of held my hand through it and I thank God for her, for real, because there were some times where that show like was breaking me and I'd be like,
0: <laughs> like Like how though, so okay, so you meet with Lauren, you get the job, you take the gig. Who's the cast? What year is this?
1: Um, Chris Red's first year. Me and Chris were friends before. Okay. Oh, you were from. So we went to SNL together. Yeah. Okay. We both were living in LA, and we moved to New York at the same time. Yeah. Um, called each other like, "Did you get it? I got it." Type, type yeah, shit. Oh, okay. So Chris Red, this is Chris Red's first year. Yep. Who? Eighties there, of course. Uh, which it? Uh, Chase there, yeah. there, of course. Kate's There of course. Kate's there, of course. Uh huh. Um, there was some Luke Knowles' first year. Okay, Luke Knowles' first year.
0: So, what'd you learn going in? What was it? What, what was it? What was your approach?
1: I just I kind of approached it like you approach stand up, right? Yeah. Just like get in, try to get in where you fit in, be observant.
0: Did you let John do like figure out how to write for people?
1: I was. I didn't know how to do anything. I never written before. <laughs> it was my first writer's job. Yeah, and I never written a sketch. How the
0: fuck did you get the job then?
1: Do I don't know. know
0: wild
1: I <laughs> um, did some stand-up yeah uh. <laughs> that's
0: interesting though that like you've never written a, you don't come from sketch you come from stand-up you, I wonder like do you ever think about like what bits what did they see that like made them real believe that like this person's a sketch writer she just doesn't know it yet
1: I don't know man that's yeah. that's some of like uh, you know some people love to hate them but I really think that's the brilliance of Lorne Michaels yeah. is like he he knows who can do it. He no has,
0: one no one hates him on the mic.
1: <laughs> he has a good sense you know, of like yeah. who can do it. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And
0: Did you feel like you got the hang of it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I wrote there for 3 years. Yeah. So by the, by like the first year hell, you yeah. know? And it wasn't really till the end of the first season that I was like, oh, I think I get how to do this yeah. in some kind of way. You yeah. know what I mean? And then by season two, by the middle, and I had kind of really connected with the dude, I, my writing partner there, yeah. Gary Richardson. And we had really figured out a flow and a and a style. Was
0: it you guys decided on the partnership? You yeah. just came together?
1: It just kind of came together. We were the only two black writers at the time, me and Gary. Oh. And one day we got our residuals it was like the middle of the first season and yeah. we got residual checks yeah. and I didn't even know about these residual checks I didn't know. I, I had no idea yeah. and this lady just came and threw a bunch of free money on my yeah, desk yeah, and yeah. I was like
0: oh shit yeah. this is fucking
1: crazy and yeah. Gary came in my office and yeah. he was like yo did you it was like our first time jamming he was yeah. like do you want to try to jam on this thing I was like yeah and he was like also bro they just giving niggas money and I was like yeah okay you a real nigga too alright we could probably figure something out this is crazy right and we kind of just connected <laughs> in that moment yeah, of being yeah. like two black people like this is fucking wild <laughs> that it just from there kept yeah. flowing and then once I figured that out and really found my sketch voice and learned how to cast sketches because all that stuff is a part of it Like, so you
0: actually act as your own segment producer
1: yeah right. 100% right Che taught me a lot too when I was when I was when I was drowning you yeah know?
0: like what well, what was the drowning like what brought that on just you didn't you just couldn't... being
1: bad at it man oh. I don't know how to write sketches and yeah. then they go to the table mm. and they get read out loud and they ask you know and all you hearing is the pages turn you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. and you're feeling a little embarrassed yeah. and like People are killing because they know what they're doing, and they're right. just like, "Am I ever gonna figure out oh. how to fucking do this?" Taking a hit. Yeah, Chris yeah. is also like a peer of mine. We yeah. stand up together, Chase a peer. So I'm yeah. failing in front of my fucking friends. Yeah, you know what I mean it's just yeah. like
0: and and che, what reached out or he stepped? out of that? He work? just talked to me one yeah. day.
1: And he was like, "Yo, just just pay attention to the table." He's like, "You're not doing bad." You know, it feels like you're doing terrible, uh-huh. but he's like, "You're not doing bad." You know, like it ain't it but it ain't yeah. bad he's yeah, like yeah. but you know when you're not you're not getting shit on don't get caught up in not getting shit on yeah. just pay attention to the table you know yeah. what I'm saying and right. listen and, and watch and listen to what sketches are working so I started right. doing that and I started like keeping the sketches I liked that were working and reading them again and yeah. figuring out like moves and like also, figuring out who likes what, figuring yeah. out how to cast. Like, oh, Kate's really strong in these type of characters. Yeah. 80s, because that also could fuck your sketch up. I was casting my sketches all wrong. Right. I was just throwing names out. I right. wasn't thinking about the person right. and how they were going to
0: do it. You know? So, what you know, so, I'm so yeah. So, you, you're learning how the, the, the all levels of the production work. Yeah. The, you know, casting, understanding people's limitations and, mm-hmm. and where their strengths are, mm-hmm. you know, how to, you know, tag a sketch. Mm-hmm. All, okay. So, it's all coming together.
1: Yeah. It's just all coming together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying? And then also, once so I separated myself from trying to beat it, I think that's how it gets a lot of people. People going in there like, I'm going to fucking beat this thing. Yeah. It's like, now nah, you're just really a cog in the wheel of a thing that's yeah. going to keep going with or without you. Yeah, And then I started to just try to figure out how to be useful. Right. So if I didn't get a sketch on, I'll still help other people with their sketches or I'll watch the sketches and be like, yo, I saw this thing or yeah. I knew you wanted it to look like this, but it yeah. didn't look like this. It right. kind of came off like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just figured out ways to be useful sure. within the, yeah. the thing. The community. In the community and then... Thus, people would help me and like it yeah. kind of like
0: yeah it's like when someone comes up to you it's like you, you you take tags i got a tag for you you want a tag yeah like what is it Yeah, like, oh, that's good yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly
1: it, yeah. it's the same thing that's coming i just right. i had to learn how to play with them you know because yeah, yeah. i'm a i'm not an improviser and they they have a lot more energy yeah and they're a lot more cheery than yeah. like us you but know you're,
0: but you're engaged
1: yeah but i know? just didn't know how to I know how to riff with comics. I didn't know how to do the thing with them.
0: Collaborate with people. I
1: didn't know how to do it. Yeah, we're not
0: collaborators. So I
1: would like write shit and then like Beck would come up to me in the hall and be like, Sam. And he'd just start doing a voice and I'd just be looking at him like, nigga, what the fuck is you doing? Yeah, Like, I don't... (laughs) <laughs> Go ahead. Do whatever. Like, if that's yeah. what you want to do, do yeah. it. Yeah. And I didn't realize he needs me to, like, give him something so he can. I had right. to learn, like, oh, yeah, this is yeah, how yeah. they play. And this yeah. is how they figure out how to do their right. thing. Give
0: me something to work with. Yeah. I right. would just be
1: staring, like, I guess, bro. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're looking for support and leadership. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know.
1: <laughs> right. I'm like, this nigga weird. You know? Then <laughs> I going in my office.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that ain't it. But you figured it out. Which were your big sketches?
1: Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, the John Mulaney Cha Cha slide sketch that I wrote with Brian Tucker.
0: Yeah. The. Uh, Tucker's been there forever.
1: Yeah. The right? uh, Chadwick he- Bozeman Black Panther uh, Je- Black Jeopardy. Oh, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, Eddie Murphy Black Jeopardy.
0: Did you get to uh, meet Eddie and deal with Eddie at all?
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was crazy. That right. was a crazy. That was a crazy. Week. Did you look up to that guy? Of course,
0: yeah, of yeah, yeah. course. Who were your a comic major heroes? way? Yeah, Eddie
1: in a major way. I yeah. don't know. I was born in eighty two. You know, I don't yeah. know a black kid in the eighties who didn't think was, that he was yeah, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. God. Yeah, Eddie Murphy week. My aunt called me like, "Are you crying? Because I know you guys dislike your God."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got him at a good time. He's kind of nice,
1: sweet. Yeah, he's chilling. Yeah, it was really cool to have a have a job in common with Eddie Murphy where he was like sitting in the office being like, this is how my office was set up and talking about the show. And like, is it still like this? And do this, this still happen? We're like, yeah, they still do that, but they don't do this. And like, right, right. it was like, this is like crazy. It's
0: wild, right? Yeah, he's and you know what's amazing about him? And I think it probably, you probably saw it a lot though because there's a few people on SNL that can do that is how easily he can turn on the funny part. Like, he doesn't exist in it, but, like, if he needs it, he yeah. just he throws a switch, and it's there. Yeah. All the, old Eddie. It's yeah. right there. That that time he hosted, it was crazy. Yeah. That sketch at the end, what was it? A hurricane sketch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it was with crazy. The
1: elf, with the elf. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cause he was just like old Eddie. Yeah, he I was interviewed him, and it was hilarious. I was so happy to make him laugh. That he, was the best part.
1: He was going crazy. Yeah, it was. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. So you were there for three years, and how did how did you exit?
1: Um, I got another job. <laughs> I got my own show. I got my own late night show. The pause. Yeah, and so I
0: I left it. How did that How did that unfold? Did you pitch it?
1: No. <laughs> I know. I have this weird. I hate telling these stories because it comes off so like I have this weird luck when it came to comedy. Like when mm-hmm. I just stuff just worked out. And it's, it's not weird luck if you
0: can deliver the goods.
1: It's just worked out in a weird way. But I did a I did my special three in the morning and for HBO for Netflix. Okay, and it was about to come out and people were like talking about it a little bit yeah. industry wise, and my manager kind of like leaked it to. Uh, Princess Penny's people, who were had an overall deal with HBO, and he was trying to develop a late night show, and he needed like a voice uh-huh. on his late night show. Uh-huh. And she was like, "I think Sam could be perfect for this." They showed him special. His princess's agent loved special show. Princess is special. He was like, "I love this. I want to meet her." Yeah. Me and Princess met. We talked to each other. Who's this person? Princess Penny. He is the EP of my show. He's the EP of Insecure. Oh, okay. Um, and we vibed and we kept talking for like two weeks. And then he was like, yeah, no, this is the person. And he went to HBO and was like, this is the person. And HBO was like, yo, we love Sam. Like, she's dope. Like, she's the shit. So this must be the person. And then, At the same time, I got offered cast at SNL, like while this was going on. Oh, tough. So I'm like, shit, like, what the fuck, you know, what am I going to do? Because SNL was my family. You know, at the end of the day, we really built something and bonded on something. And I I had a great deal of like respect for everybody there. And I loved working with everybody. And it also felt like a safe place. They kind of built me up. You know, I don't think the special would have been what it was without SNL and what I learned there. You know what I'm saying? Of course. And so it felt like I was really torn and I was trying to find some way to like, do both some kind of way but it was just kind of like this is the thing I've always wanted to do is like have my own product and kind of like What's, form something the way I want to form it and so I chose to do the show.
0: Well it's then, interesting because like it must have been one of those things where the unknown is yeah can I I'm gonna have to do characters I'm gonna have to take a beat and learning how to do that yeah. right you like you yeah. know and you know as opposed to I can get engaged my brain and my sense of humor every time i yeah, get yeah. In, step into this thing. yeah but i can see i would be tough
1: yeah and, I, and but, I could make my own thing right you know what i'm saying and also i just didn't want to disappoint lauren you know i know that that's his favorite thing and when he offers it to you it's a real like uh, gesture for him yeah, and yeah. i just didn't want to disappoint him did you, you know? talk to him about it i did i did and it was okay yeah it was okay
0: he understood he
1: understood you yeah. know what i mean and he told me like i always have a family there. You know, and I always have a place I could come. But home he's to.
0: producing Bust Down, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so and we're still you're we, back, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
1: still together, <laughs> yeah. you know.
0: So, but pause, like to me was, uh, it's it's how often? So it was a weekly. Yes. And you only did like six, six, and now I'm doing eight. Okay, now. What's the production schedule on that thing? How long does it take to put that together? How do you decide? I mean, I know you have the kind of like you know drunky salon thing at your mm-hmm. apartment. Is that really your apartment? No. Oh, okay.
1: I would not let camera and crew <laughs> in my apartment.
0: <laughs> but I, but but I like that. I mean, it's a you know it, it's a the way it feels obviously is unique, and then it, and it the the kind of engaged people talking over each other, arguing You know, it's kind of fun. But how do you? But obviously, you decide on topics, right? yeah so how do you produce that what's the idea
1: i mean we just get in the room and we just i throw out things that i'm feeling it's a very talky room the room pretty much feels like the party the
0: writer room yeah, yeah. the writer's
1: room feels like the party i was in there how many people we got uh, i want to say we got eight this year mm-hmm. and we had well we might we only have 10 this year and we yeah. had eight last oh season. wow yeah yeah mixed yep it's a lot, it's it's more women this season than men this season, and last season I feel like it was pretty balanced. Yeah? Yeah.
0: But so when you're kicking around topics or whenever you're like, cause like it seemed like the, and then in the writer's room you, you kind of, you hash it out, and then you decide. Well, this is what we're going to talk about with the friends. And then you're like, so let's figure out what the out of studio segments are going to yeah, be let's, in relation do, to that. Yeah, how
1: do we make it active? Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. we're always saying in the room. All right, this is just ideas now. Like, how well, do we? Make I, it I thought it
0: was provocative again, as some middle aged dude, you know, who's just uh, trying to hold on to some relevance and not really knowing a lot. Like, they're just shit. I don't know. Like. I've worked with for years. I mean, for a couple of years on radio, I had a you know a black guy who was my partner on the mics. Mm-hmm. But like the idea, and obviously the idea of what is cooning or what is you know it, I've heard that or Tomming or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the actual when you started talking about representing and how and the challenge for you as a woman, as a gay person, and as a black person, I mean that's like that's a lot. Yeah. And, and, and that conversation, I was like, well, I never thought about any of this shit. I mean, I'm learning things. That's cool. Well, how do you deal with that on a day to day basis? Or do you just surrender? Because at the end of the episode, you're like, I'm not that. And fuck it.
1: Yeah, I think that's how I deal with it. Yeah. You know, I just be me at the end of the day. And it's like, I don't know. You got to like take it or leave it type of deal, you know? Because I.
0: You don't feel like it's a responsibility.
1: If I make it a responsibility, then I'm not being myself.
0: You right. know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I. That's going to be your job.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't ever want. I don't want that you know what I mean I want the ability to like like even with pause, we always talked about it. Like I want the ability to be wrong. I want the ability to grow. I don't yeah. I don't want to be an authority. That's why we do it the way we do it. That's why I didn't want a desk. It was like once you sit behind that desk, you're an authority. And now you have to know stuff and yeah. you have to be right. And right. it's like that's just not actually my life experience. And sometimes I'm more connected to my blackness than my gayness. Sometimes I'm more connected to my gayness than my blackness. Sometimes I'm more connected to my feminine side than my masculine yeah. side. Sometimes I'm more connected to my masculine like I'm just a multitude of things. And sometimes and, you just comedy. And that's something <laughs> Times I'm a comic first yeah. and that's it yeah. you know what I mean and, yeah. and a lot of times really I feel like that's my ultimate sure. identity right. you know yeah yeah so it's just like Yeah, you can be a multitude of things and sometimes those things are conflicting and that's okay I think we're so rigid these days and it's like that's not really how shit is
0: Well, it's overthinky sometimes and it's also in reaction There's we live in reaction to other people dumping shit into our laps because we can't you can't stop people from dumping shit into your lap anymore Like everybody can get to everybody and it doesn't take much to make someone go like fuck. Am I that? Am I what what did I do? Mm-hmm. and it's like they're nobodies yeah you just gotta stop listening to people right but it's hard right yeah I every day I think like I'm getting off the I'm gonna I'm just gonna, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then you're back on the junk huh? yeah of course yeah bro that dopamine rush
1: yeah I try not to be on it too but it's like it's a you want to know, because you, you also make shit for people. So you do want to know what the fuck they think. You but know th- but then I mean? you realize
0: a lot of people are just there to fuck things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're chaotic. It's their, hob- they're it's the their hobby. They're the joker. Yeah,
1: they're the joker. they yeah, just trolls. running around, yeah, right. burning shit down. That's right.
0: All, uh, thousands of them. <laughs> yeah. But I thought the conversations were really good, because it's not conversations I have or I, I'm privy to necessarily, but just also the, in in terms of that that whole representation thing leads into the next episode about you know how do you protect yourself uh, in a world uh, that that you could be your 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 job could be affected by you know somebody finding something that you said it, taken out of context or mm-hmm. misunderstood uh, i guess it's cancel culture but uh But, like, I thought that was interesting, too, because you're coming at that as somebody who wants a certain type of success. And you were able to separate the idea of black success versus regular success and what success is how it's dictated by white culture. Yeah. And that there's a certain a different type of pressure and there's a different type of bar to meet.
1: Yeah, in a different type of like bartering system, you know, like it's a whole different, you're playing a whole different game and you're trying to satisfy a lot of different things because you still feel you have some responsibility, of course, to the black community. Yeah. It's the same thing of like you have some responsibility to the minority group you're a part of, but you also like are trying to achieve something and then also like you're just a fucking person. And like, you know, I always just think it's weird that people don't like realize we're just like people with jobs right. you know like i know we're just and, and people doing stuff kind of hard jobs yeah and we're just doing shit and i get that like you there's an opportunity to make a lot of, of money doing yeah. it but it's still just like a thing i'm doing and i'm not always gonna be correct or think the way you need me to think and like that's why there's a lot of us and you should tap into the thing that's like servicing you at the time sure. and the thing that isn't just don't fuck with it
0: right and I think the, the challenge just becomes about like you know how do I stay authentic and then not chase this this the the expectation that because there's so it, like this whole there, there when okay when you look at Kevin Hart you know is it, there was there a day that Kevin and I know him and we've talked and I, I like him but was there a day where he just sat down like I'm gonna do everything I'm gonna own this thing. The Kevin Hart brand, we're gonna have uh breakfast cereal, we're gonna have a, you know, I'm right. a motivational speaker, I'm gonna do movies, I'm gonna do athletics, I'm gonna do stadiums. I mean, that business model is is a real thing. Yeah. And people aspire to it.
1: Yeah, if that you if that's what you want, you know <laughs> what I mean?
0: Like But I don't I wouldn't know how to it would be exhausting.
1: Yeah, no, nah, I would I not I can't think it.
0: in terms of relation to branding. Like, that's the whole, that seems to be the whole thing and how you maintain any sort of sense of self or even authenticity when, you know, all your energy goes into branding. I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah. I'm old though. I don't, I mean, I don't really know what it is either. I think it's just like different, like some people come in and that's, everybody wants something different out there yeah. shit. And I just always wanted to be able to just create authentically. Yeah. Like those right. were the, the motherfuckers I admired and that's the shit I wanted to like do. Like who? Like, man, like Chappelle. Right. Like Rock. Like- yeah you know comments. carlin like yeah, yeah. just I, i'm a i love fucking stand-ups yeah bro. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. through and through david yeah. wayne's you know yeah, i just want to yeah, yeah, yeah. i just wanted to be able to be myself patrice i just yeah. wanted to be able to be like
0: what i am right and then like do shit right because that's what we <laughs> fought for we that's our choice it's like i don't want anybody i just want to find my space on that stage and own it yeah and then whatever from there as long as that's the core of it it's I'm a good. little culty, like oh, we
1: say like I'm just I'm just looking for my like tribe, right? right. I'm right. just trying to talk. It. I'm talking into the ether, and I'm right. ho- if it connects with you, like. Come over here yeah. and we could we could chat.
0: Have you have you found like uh, the like I'm starting to because my, my audience came to me much later. But it's a very interesting once you have an audience to see what it's mostly made up of. And they sort of like, is that who I am inside? I guess so. My I guess I'm a, I wild. guess I'm, I guess I'm an angry middle aged woman inside. <laughs> I
1: think that. I'm inside I'm like a, a like. Uh, uh, a half-Republican white man. I get a lot of white dudes. <laughs> really? It's a weird mix with me. It's like a lot of white dudes and then like a lot of older black men, like mi- like middle-aged, uh-huh. older black men, few black women in there, and then like young people. It's such uh-huh. a wild huh. like
0: yeah. range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you find that the people that are getting you deep, like, you, you know, because it's interesting when you have older grown-up people who, are, who come out, who seek you out, because that means they're speaking at least a, a mature language. Right, they, right. they dig it. But it's hard to understand exactly why. Why do you say Republican?
1: Because I'm a, I'm a bit bit uh, rebellious. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I play a lot. My material sure. is very much I push this way yeah, and yeah. I push that yeah, way. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I'm not always left-leaning or right. right-leaning. Right. right, Depending on the topic. You, right. you don't really know where you're going to catch my opinion. And I think for, like, white dudes, they expect a thing. They're yeah. like, I know what that's going to be. And yeah. then I start talking and they're like, oh, uh-huh. I didn't know that that's what this was going to be. Challenge them. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 right. So I think it's like a little bit like fun for them because yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, here's a here's a path I didn't think anyone was going to take type of thing. That's
0: good. That's good. Well, I mean, I, I watched that one segment that you did on pause with the black Republicans, <laughs> black conservatives, and that woman came out. Was that? Did you not know? Not know at all. <laughs> Did yeah. not know at all. How's she doing? All right. She's good. She's yeah. out here living. Oh really?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. She's always like posting pictures. Like out. I'm like, okay, she's outside. That's cool.
0: <laughs> that was kind of. It was. Uh, you could feel the weight of that moment because you didn't even take it in for like a second. Like, Wait, what? Right. Is this is happening. I yeah.
1: didn't because I was just like, holy, this yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, the the the, the weird sort of line of of self actualization. It, it was interesting in that show that there is something about you know just you know black culture. And you just said about it earlier about, you know, taking yourself up by your bootstraps and doing actualizing your life and that that that's a conservative idea. I don't think it's necessarily Republican.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like conservative. And I think that like white Republican dudes, they'll they'll like hear some of that in me and be like, Oh, I didn't know they're, you could. They're,
0: they're 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 like, oh, there's one that didn't need the welfare money. Yeah,
1: and it's like that's right. not true. Right. That's
0: not <laughs> And what that's what's saying. fun about yeah. those
1: like setups is that I also get to correct them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but no. Right. There's right. still this and there's yeah, yeah, still yeah. that. There is, I think, some power to give to black people that like you have to a little bit see it that way to beat the game. Right. To beat the game, you gotta kind of decide.
0: Deprogram yourself from uh, the the welfare I- idea.
1: Yes, yeah. not the thing. Right. But the idea of the thing that that's
0: what we are.
1: Right. Right. And that that's which that's the only way you can. You right. know what I mean? Right. It's like right. nah, bro. There's there's you're really in control it's really some like I always I'm fucking a nerd but I always say it's like some matrix shit it's just like once you unplug and you're like nah I'm actually fully in control of this thing right
0: well I think the real question with that kind of stuff politically is the idea of is it a you know level playing field not at all right so that that is the argument against but you, it never will be of course right so you just gotta figure out right so how you level it. it right so do you accept that and play the victim or do you try to rise above it and yeah and forgot to level
1: it, level it and then when you do rise above it yeah. how do you change it yeah for the motherfuckers behind you yeah, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. they don't have uh, to yeah. go
0: through as much you know do you think that there that is happening
1: yeah i think especially with like art and not... Yeah, I, right, I think exactly. are art.
0: Th- yeah, there's a lot of equality in fiction right now. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's such <laughs> yeah. a standard in
1: a, in a thing. Like, yeah. I look at Paws and people will be like... Some people will be like, yo, why do you say niggas so much? Why do you talk like that? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, because that's how people... Where I'm from fucking talk. If I yeah. was sitting around talking to my friends, that's how we would speak. And if I change how I'm speaking, because now I'm in this white space yeah. necessarily, then I'm making it harder for the niggas from where I'm from to come in and be who they are. Right. Now they have to pose a posture. And some of these motherfuckers can't. Right. Like truly and honestly, they can't. Yeah. So it's like if I put on airs for you motherfuckers, I'm not helping them.
0: Right. 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 I'm well, just yeah, keeping
1: the status quo. That's right.
0: You're saying like, look, I managed to fit into this space. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. nah,
1: fuck that. Break right. the space. Once you get in it, break right. the space.
0: Right, right. And that's it. you can definitely feel that. I'm trying, bro. I don't know. <laughs> I
1: don't know how well. Well, it's I don't. Doing,
0: what but. do you mean? I mean, what, what's the feedback? I mean, I mean, who's who's saying you use the N word too much?
1: Black people and white people. I think. <laughs> I think anytime you're doing something that's you know.
0: Yeah. What
1: it is, it's going to.
0: It's just like, but like, I don't know why I don't process it that way. You know, I don't know. You know, I completely felt right away. I'm like, all right, this is, you know, this is the way that this community is talking. So get on board. That's yeah, it, yeah, and, and 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 like you know, slow it down if you need to, and figure out what's happening. How are they engaging? And and and, and again, I'm not saying they as black people, but this community if this is the language, so figure it out. Yeah, and it's and, provocative. And, and
1: they as they as black people, they as young people, right? Exactly. They as, yeah, they as a bu- they as gay people, gay people, exactly. You know, exactly. and, yeah. and uh, I'm just a firm believer in like that. That, that there's not a. I don't want to play those games anymore. I feel like the the, the black people before us. They did all that dancing yeah. for y'all niggas. Yeah. They did all the dancing they could do, bro, and yeah. they still didn't do shit. Right. So I'm not.
0: Oh, that's interesting. We're not they, doing we, that. They they worked the white space, yeah. and we're still stuck. Right. Yeah. So like, okay. no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I, I, it's just, it's very exciting in a way because I like how there's, like, in, in conversation, the the volume level and the level of interruption and engagement is is <laughs> also is it's exciting. Like if yeah. you if you get through. The way, Because it's obviously structured, the show, right? You know, you guys are riffing. But, you know, once you learn the language of the show, it's like it is a completely new approach to that late night idea. This is the monologue. There's 20 of us. Yeah. And we're talking. Well,
1: I just tried to, like... For me, it's like, it got to feel like how I, I'm a fucking stand up, bro. I'm used to yelling at people over people at the <laughs> cellar. I'm used to screaming at Keith yeah. to make my point.
0: Yeah, and yeah. it was
1: like, bro, if if you take away all that energy, then I'm not even being my authentic self. And yeah, because
0: you're self-checking.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it's not it's yeah. not real. Right. And it's like, right. bro, I, wanted, I was very clear, like, I want to fight for it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how I usually have to make a right. point. I got to fight for it. Right. And I want people to scream over me. I want someone to be more right than me sometimes. Right. And I'm right. like, all right. You more, like When Ricky has that moment, it's like, I hope we get more of those this season. Like, well, that, okay, bro.
0: Well, that was you funny about it. you and Ricky. It's like, he was like the only guy you listened to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's a guy I'm always yelling at. You I know, know, I know. But it, it was something because there
0: was one moment where you're just like, he's talking and you're not saying nothing. I'm like, wow, they're friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're actually
0: <laughs> But what's, uh, what's okay, so we can talk about... Uh, down a little bit, but before we do that, what are some of the topics you you're thinking at uh, kicking around for the the pause? Hey, pause did, you produce two. that out of New York?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Pause season two. I mean, we're just getting more personal. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. we felt like that titties out episode was like our. Yeah, like this is the goal, right? This is when the show feels absolutely correct.
0: When you're not trying to take on, you know, uh, the you know, uh, uh, the black responsibility angle. Yeah, and I'm just like
1: existing in the existence, (laughs) if if you will. Right. And so this this season, it's like a lot of personal stuff. We're I'm doing an episode about jail that's kind of surrounding. My brother went to jail when I was very young, and he was young. I'm doing this Is episode. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing this episode around death and how my mother death so young, like my fear of death and how I haven't really oh, overcome great. it.
0: And so you're doing that same uh, give or take crew yep. talking about personal different stuff. Different comics this season. Uh-huh.
1: So a bunch of different people yeah. outside of Jack and Zach who are like my core boys. Yeah. We're going to bring in a bunch of different comics and we're going to break it a little bit again. We're going to have some fun and yeah. restructure some things. Yeah. And sometimes it won't start at the
0: party. You know, we're okay. going to do some cool stuff. Okay. And with Bust Down, what is how did that come together?
1: Um, Chris read Brought us a project. He was the only one out of all four of us that was actually making money at the time and had any type of traction Uh out in the industry. Yeah, and he had this opportunity to redevelop something uh, that was a show out in I want to say Canada. It was like about four friends who made a pact to not have sex, and then that's how they get through life, holding each other accountable to this
0: pact. Right. And
1: he was like, "Yo, do y'all think we could mess with this and kind of like make it us?" And we were like. And he was like, "I nah, you can get some money." And we was like, "Cool, we don't got yeah. nothing to do." Yeah. So we started with that, and of course, it grew completely away from that to what it became. And um, we just kept jamming on it. It's been five years in the making. Really, five and a half. It's a,
0: it's an odd it's an odd space that that show happens in, <laughs> right? <'Cause- laughs> Because there's part of me, and again, I've only watched the the pilot, and I'm sure it gets different. Yeah, yeah. But, but there is that sense of like, is this re- are we supposed to take this real, or is this just a comedy space? What do you, how do you look at it?
1: It's totally just for yucks. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Right, and I yeah. think at first, when people watch the pilot, because it's such a heavy topic, but we, we thought it was a cool way to introduce who we all that are going to be. That was a heavy be.
0: topic. To, you know, to male molestation. Is, <laughs> it's it's like if you're going to do like, the pilot's got to be about being molested when you're a dude and how you handle that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And how people react to that. Yeah. But we thought it was a good way to tell who each character was going to be throughout uh-huh, this series. Uh-huh. And also a good way to let people know, yo, these these are the type of swings we're going to be taking. Right. So if you're in for this, you're in for the ride. If right. you're not in for this, then get right. out now. If you're not going to laugh at young Chris getting his dick sucked, then this probably isn't the show for you.
0: (laughs) Who's not going to laugh at young Chris getting his dick sucked? The character he plays is very odd. He really commits to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Chris is such a great... Silly Billy, he you is. can really throw yeah. him in anything, and he's gonna he's gonna silly it up.
0: And you guys are all writing it—you and Jack and Chris
1: and Langston, yeah, yeah, yeah—and we have a writers' room: Emmy Blotnick, uh, Gary Richardson's, and that thing, you from know, your,
0: from SNL, Zach Fox, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now that you're doing the premiere, and then you go back and get work to work on pause. Yep, and that's it. Stand that's, up, doing it.
1: Yes, I, oh man, I want to do another special
0: right. like next year. I've been hammering this shit out for like six months, the new stuff, putting the new hour together. You?
1: I've been working the cellar and just getting like these chunks I like and going oh, yeah. like, I like this, you know, I think this could be something right? like, I like this and I think this could be something. I want to do some more theater stuff. I, I might do a run. I am going to do a run at the Cherry Lane where I can really like sit well, that's what in I do some stuff.
0: Yeah. I just like, I'll, I'll get like a residency at Dynasty. Dynasty typewriter yeah. and just do like four Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and just riff it out. Yeah. See what sticks. That's what I'm
1: trying to do, and just like so, really sit in some stuff and and really start to well, what's see this, what it's gonna what's be.
0: going on with the Cherry Lane. I mean, it seems like uh, like I remember when I used to do one man shows that most uh, most of the road guys, most of the comics were like, Oh yeah, you're giving up, huh? But now it seems to be a thing. So are, are they offering the space to workshop as well, or are you planning on doing a one-person, more structured thing?
1: Um, I'm gonna. I, I'm lucky enough to have an agent that really has a good relationship with them. Yeah. So I'm gonna do some workshopping. Well, it's that's gonna, the way to go, man. It's gonna be a, a, you know, it's gonna have its legs a little bit, but it's gonna be more of a workshop.
0: So, but like, so you're gonna like instead of like you're running it as like a theatrical run, fully produced, you're gonna like do some nights where you're just kind of trying to put shit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Reasonably priced ticket. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Not crazy yeah, cuz yeah, I'm yeah. I'm just putting stuff together. Yeah. But I just want that uh I want that theater audience because uh, there's some complicated ideas, yeah. and I need some space to really like yeah,
0: support have the support right. Yeah. right, and, and theater audiences like mm. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> and you know we have the sellers like you better blah 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 No, then, the seller, it's
0: like you know people don't here. realize you know, as much as we all talk about it, that is not a fucking easy room. Nah, there's nothing easy about it. You can't get away with anything there, and if you're too if you're too sensitive, like if you're trying to throw the, show that part of yourself. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, you wrong gotta, place. Yeah,
1: you gotta you gotta you gotta balance it right. It's, a, it's it? a dance there. How
0: is it over there? I, I, I love it. I've been avoiding it. No, I love it. I mean, I, well, I came up in there. I know all those guys, but like, I just uh, it's weird. I, I went in there, and no one was there, and I and I didn't go on. I should just go back. I always have this. I did have a you very... do?
1: Did you have you done the vu? The I like once, that room the best. Once, That's yeah. my favorite.
0: One. It's just when I go to New York, I'm usually doing something else, and like, I don't feel the the love as much as I used to. But I might just be. Making that up.
1: I think you might be making that up. I'm bro. sure,
0: man. I I'm, yeah, I'm like yeah, I'm just another paranoid comic. I like, think if you showed up, yeah, you, like, it's like with you it? backstage. Like it's sort of like what the fuck is her problem? <laughs> <laughs> so what are these difficult uh, things that you're gonna be exploring?
1: I mean I wanna do this shit about like it's weirdly right now. I'm calling yeah. it like a love letter to America from a person that shouldn't love America. You yeah, know what I right, mean? Right, right. That's all I have right now, and it has some of that manifest destiny stuff in it, uh-huh. and it has some of this like relationship that the core relationship that I think in this country, which is black and white people, and then how that like reflects outward to the rest of like the world, yeah. and then like how that kind of affects how this country like operates in a way that we don't want to acknowledge and that at the end of the day, it is just a relationship. Yeah. It's just a relationship between us. Uh-huh. A pretty, a pretty toxic one. Right. But just a relationship yeah. at the end of the day that we haven't quite figured out how to navigate. And yeah. Both of us have some, some stake in that. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've been relating it to an abusive relationship mm. and I'm like, <laughs> it's
0: clearly that.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, you know, like black people, we have to accept that, where the bitch getting beat? So we have some of those tendencies of wanting to be liked and wanting the approval, and and we hope white people will come home one day and say, "I'm sorry, honey. You know, right, you're right, perfect, right. and I should have never hit you. And let's only reason I do is because I'm broken. And yeah, right. let's go fix it." And yeah. like a part of us is we may we may need to accept that they never are gonna do that, but we also have to accept that we actually want that, and we have to be honest about the fact that we fucking want that. And white people gotta be honest about the fact that they are fucking abusers, and that this has been. Uh, a bad ride for niggas you know what I mean like period and like just really exploring this kind of heavier stuff and then kind of how that connects to like people uh, foreign people who come here from other countries and their views and perceptions of this and how America's kind of a gambler's island but in that there's some beauty in it because it does give space kind of for everybody in this weird way
0: yeah well I think you're like in pause you kind of I thought pretty well comedically addressed this idea of you know it's a known idea if you're progressive or you're you're uh, um, into- educated that the Constitution. It was not for black people. Yeah, for sure. So, but the idea of making a black constitution was very funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's like even in that, I think the, the like I think about the constitution, and I'm like, well, what, but what makes it so beautiful is because it it is a document that was made by persecuted people, uh-huh. and so in its language, yeah. it includes all people, but only a persecuted person would even think. To create that language That's that to right. say all people is because they've been ostracized at some point. So it's like this happy little mistake. Yeah. And because this is like like the core of this is persecuted people trying to find their freedom. Right. When someone pushes back hard enough and long enough, eventually it folds because it's like
0: we got to add some shit. We got to add some shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's well intended. Uh, but it's it's not covering everything. Right. Things are changing. Right. Well, that sounds great, and I, you know, good luck with it. And I will uh, see you in New York. Yeah, man. Good talking to you. This was good. Thank yeah, you so much. It was great. There you go. We learned. We we I did. I did. I learned. Sorry if I was nervous or whatever I was. It worked out. Comic to comic, me and Sam J. Season 2 of Pause with Sam J is coming to HBO in May. You can stream all of Season 1 on HBO Max. I recommend it. And uh, now I'm going to play some guitar. On the cat angels everywhere.